I was born in the waning days of Generation X. A couple months later, our model was discontinued and America started pumping out its much maligned millennial editions. Of course, generational delineations are nonsense. At best, they're a way for marketing assholes to scam consulting fees out of other dumber marketing assholes, and at worst, they're used to assign blame for changing material circumstances to the people least responsible for those changes. But I have to admit, there are some Gen X stereotypes that describe me pretty accurately. An aversion to corporate monoculture? Check. A skepticism of commercially viable art and artists? Get those sellouts away from me. And of course, a healthy, if feckless, disdain for the man. Back when culture was made for and marketed at my cohort, no one would be caught dead shilling for the man, not even the man himself. The major movie studios were all trying to make quirky little art house films. The major record labels labeled all of their artists alternative. Every mass entertainment insisted that it was somehow independent. And when media consolidations happened, which of course they did, they were surreptitious affairs. No one bragged about barreling toward global domination, and no one cheered for the potential IP crossovers that might ensue. It was truly a different time. I confess I've been reminiscing about that time with my buddy Alba. Hi, Alba. Hi. Do you know where I'm going with this one? No. Disney Lorcana. Okay, I wondered, but I was like... <laughs> yeah, Disney freaking Lorcana. I cannot describe to those of you under 40 or so how weird this whole thing is to us olds. I'm not talking about the line snaking around Gen Con or the people sleeping in the hallways of the Indiana Convention Center to get their hands on starter decks or even the sky-high prices on eBay. I'm talking about the fact that anyone has any interest in this game at all. What? is happening. <laughs> I've never been considered cool by any standard, but this has really driven home in a sudden and shocking way how far the culture has moved away from me, which is fine and as it should be. And so, fancying myself a curious and open-minded fellow, I've been asking my friends why they are so super pumped to have Elsa battle Piglet. And they consistently tell me they have a strong emotional connection to the IP. Hmm. What IP? The Disney IP? That's literally everything. You can't have a strong emotional connection to everything. How can you live that way? I don't even think this game is set in a rich, coherent fantasy world with its own logic and aesthetic. As far as I can tell, the whole thing takes place on the Disney Plus menu screen. We're talking about the company that has swallowed up every cultural touchstone of my lifetime and made them all sort of fine, right? <laughs> They're okay. But no one's favorite Star Wars is from the third trilogy. No one's favorite Muppet movie is the Jason Siegel one. And while I understand that some people's favorite movie full stop is some installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I find that fact too upsetting to dwell on, so we're just going to roll along. <laughs> The real reason this whole craze so thoroughly confounds me is that board gamers, and I say this with the utmost affection, but we're big ol' hipsters. We don't generally self-identify as hipsters, but come on. How often do you hear gamers insist they can't stand some game you know they've played dozens of times because it's gotten too popular with the normies? <laughs> I don't like Wingspan. I don't play Catan. Those are baby games for babies. It, it was just a few months ago that gamers descended on BGG in droves to rank the beloved and groundbreaking game Gloomhaven a 1, a 1 out of 10, because of their deeply held belief that other people liked it too much. I'm sorry, that's first order hipster bullshit. So what, Ticket to Ride is too mainstream for you, but Disney's Magic the Gathering knockoff is cool? How is that possible? Okay. I hear you across time and space. I hear you yelling back at me. Kenan, you are judging a game you haven't even played. You formed an opinion about this product before you knew anything about it. And you're right. Guilty as charged. And all I can say in my defense is, so did you. You all judged this game just as quickly as I did. You started cheering for Disney Lorcana like it was your home team the day it was announced. And I've been giving it the raspberry like it's the damn Yankees. What I want to know is, why? What do any of us have riding on this? I don't own Disney stock. Why do I care? Why would we root for games we haven't even played to succeed or fail? Are these just aesthetic disputes, generational trends that wax and wane as pointless as the labels those generations labor under? Or are we expressing through these admittedly trivial preferences some more substantive hope for the future of the hobby we all love? That's the question we're extremely unlikely to answer on today's episode of the Punchboard Cathedral podcast, where we are discussing. Games we wanted to hate. Joining me once again for this cross-continental kiki is my cardboard confidant, Alba. Hello. How's it going, bud? Hi, hi, hi. I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. 
All right. So games we wanted to hate. You suggested a series of less combative titles to describe this theme, maybe because you are less prone than I am to snap judgments. Is that, <laughs> is that the deal? Uh, is, I, I don't know if that's a fair <laughs> statement, though. I would definitely like it to be. I, I don't know. I think I, I think I felt like, are there games I really wanted to hate? Hate? Yeah. It's fine if you didn't feel that strongly about your games before playing them, but I was sincerely invested in not liking the games that I have picked. Well, I think the thing is that after I gave it some thought, I realized that I totally am a hater and I definitely 100% have a list of games that I haven't played that I already hate. Right? Yeah. It's weird. And it's a weird thing to realize about yourself. You're like, what? <laughs> like, I can just let people like the things they like, right? Yeah, this is, yeah, this is no skin off my back. Exactly. But definitely, there are these these titles that you find yourself sort of rooting against. And, you know, the Gloomhaven example, the, the Gloomhaven brass rivalry, do we have mm. rivalries now? Right? Is so interesting because that maybe wasn't even a game that people hadn't played, but they just like, they couldn't abide other people having the wrong opinion about it. Right. There should be shirts, by the way. Like hashtag Team Gloomhaven, Team exactly. Brass. Exactly. Team Gloomhaven, yeah. Team Brass. This is going to lead to like Sharks and Jet style rumbles at Gen Con <laughs> next year. Hey, there, there's already been a, a Lorcana rumble, you know? <laughs> Everybody was like it's fighting true. hand over fist for that one. Right. The uh, crushing crowds and uh, mm-hmm. grand larceny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. You got one to start us off? Yeah. Unlike you, very few of the games that are on my hateration list have actually made it to my table. Mm. Most of them I've just like steered clear of. The one that I can say with certainty I avoided intentionally, it was exactly what you were talking about, about this kind of like mass market appeal that I was Mm. like, oh, everybody loves this game. So surely I'm not going to love Wingspan. Mm. All these other gamer people Mm -hmm. who are like serious about games, they don't love Wingspan. They think it's too boring and too like family friendly or whatever, which by the way, since playing it, I've also connected with a lot of people who actually love Wingspan. So I realized that I was also just wrong about like my perception of what all these people were out there thinking. But in any case, I was like, oh, yeah, Wingspan, that is going to be just like a plebe game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was wrong. So like, yeah, a year ago when my son was born, my brother-in-law was in town. He lives in Austria and he's a really big Wingspan fan. Mm. And he came to town and for Mother's Day, he and my husband went to the game store and bought me a copy of Wingspan and came home. And then Andrew, my brother-in-law, taught us all how to play it. Me, my husband, my brother-in-law, and my mother-in-law, we all sat around the table and learned how to play Wingspan. And it was great because, Mm. you know, it's interesting. Sometimes I wonder how much of it is the game, the game. I mean, I think Wingspan is a good game, but Uh some of it is also like the experience that you have when you're playing the game and the people you're with. And it's like forever just like imprinted on your mind. And you're like, oh, wow, I really had such a great time playing Wingspan with these people at a time where I was really tired, where I couldn't really do a lot. And then somebody came to my table who I love and care for and was like, I'm going to teach you this game and we're going to have a great couple of hours while your kid naps. Amazingly. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And it was actually like a really meaningful and magical Mother's Day as a result. So to recap, I thought I was going to hate it. I was prepared to hate Wingspan. I was like, I'm going to be a Wingspan haterator. Uh-huh. And I didn't. I loved it. I became very fond of it and then bought expansions. Yeah. The expansions are good. The Oceania expansion, I think, like completes the game. Well, and now there's like the fan art expansion, which of course I have to have. <sighs> I know. It doesn't even have any new cards, but I love the idea of that. It's really kind of a cool idea. I'm, I'm very excited about that. We were talking last episode about how the best game is the game that someone wants to play with you. Mm-hmm. Same as you, like, I like Wingspan. I think it's a solid game, but... People who would walk into a room, see people playing Catan and like turn around and walk out of the room, Mm -hmm. walk into the room, see people playing Wingspan and are are like, cool, what is this? Right. Mm -hmm. And it just opens up the hobby and the experience to so many more people. The fact that people enjoy it so much makes me love it. Mm -hmm. I don't mean that to say like, oh, I don't really love it. I do really love it. I really love that it is so welcoming and enticing to people who aren't already immersed in this hobby because it helps the hobby do what we all say we love about it, which is like bring people together, have Mm -hmm. social time around a table, staring at each other's faces, all of that. And I think that like by that standard, Wingspan has got to be like one of the best modern hobby games, right? Totally. I mean, what other game has, has brought so many people in? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And I also, I also had the same experience of you. I actually first heard about Wingspan from a complete non-gamer, like someone who had, had never played a game, you know, 
after probably age 12, who I was catching up with and she was like, oh, you care about this stuff. I just heard a thing on the radio about like the game of the year. It's this game that no one can get. It's called Wingspan. And I was like, well, I haven't heard of that. So it's clearly not the game of the year. (laughs) (laughs) And then like a week later, I had to call her and be like, I'm sorry, that that was it is in fact like people are freaking out about the game. I just hadn't heard about it yet. Um, See, you, it's you so right humbling, right? Wrong. We are like we're yes. like, oh yeah, we have such refined taste. But it's like, right. no, you, shut up, right? Go back to your corner. But and I assumed that like if NPR knew about it before I did, it was nonsense. But it's not nonsense. It's a great it's game. Not nonsense. Is it the most challenging? Is it the most anything game? No. Like if you're already playing games, I mean, you're not going to open right. it and think like, oh wow, I've I've you know, this game just really revolutionized this or that or the other thing. But I think it did exactly what you said. There's not a lot of games like that where you just like a lot like the whole family can right. play. And it's like, you know, everyone can have a good time. And right. <laughs> there's no. a lot of games that families can play. But you know what I mean? It's sort of like it is totally that gateway game. And it's beautiful. The art is amazing. It's very inviting. It's very warm. And I had this like really awesome time with my family playing it and th- feeling like it was challenging enough for me to like feel like I was kind of exercising my brain and having a good time in that way but then also like chill enough that I was like sitting around the table Mm -hmm. laughing and having a great time with these people Mm -hmm. that I love right it doesn't demand so much of your brain that you're not actually spending time with the people you're playing Mm -hmm. with and you're right you know like it's not my favorite tableau builder or engine builder or resource conversion puzzle is good at all of those things Mm -hmm. but like I could name in each of those categories a game that I love more. It didn't, like you said, revolutionize any of those. What it did revolutionize, sincerely, is the group of people who feel welcome at the table, right? That yeah, it really did I agree change. With that. And and that's why I think we've seen this like flowering of family weight, nature themed games, right, in its mm-hmm, in its wake mm-hmm. because um, you know, cynically because like a new market opened up that wasn't open before. But what that new market means is that more people feel welcome and more people are interested. Totally. And that's awesome. Totally. All right. So my first one, I've expressed my mild discomfort with sort of IP-based games. The thing is that an IP-based game begins life in a boardroom. It might end up being an incredible game that a dedicated designer worked on really hard and passionately, but it started because someone was like, oh, we have this product we want to tie in, we can market it. There is a, a niche in the marketplace that we can fill with a product, go make us a product. And then whether that product is good or bad is just a function of who works on it and how much resources they're given and whatever. So to my brain, I hear about an IP game and it's a cynical cash grab until proven otherwise, right? And I've been proven wrong multiple times. And one of those times is Dune Imperium, mm-hmm. which is an incredible game from a designer that I love. Paul Denon designed Clank, which is one of my favorite games. But when I first heard about this game, it was always spoken of in the same breath with Lost Ruins of Arnak. Mm-hmm. They were both games that came out right around the same time that combined worker placement and deck building. And everyone was asking which was better, like which they needed. And I certainly didn't want to have to buy both games, right? I heard about these two games that supposedly were similar. And for me, before playing either of them, like I had a clear preference for Arnak for a number of reasons. One, original fantasy world, you know, versus some old ass IP that I don't care about. Two, the setting, which Arnak's setting is an ancient jungle, right? Teeming with life, strange creatures, lush vegetation, mm-hmm. remnants of some mysterious past civilization. Mm-hmm. Dune is set in the cold, dead depths of space, which <laughs> I don't care about. It's right. not my thing. The components in Arnak are beautiful, like these unique little arrowheads and tablets mm-hmm. and gems. Awesome. All of the components in Dune are these like preschool shapes. Yes. Don't like pertain to anything. Little wooden blocks. One is super designed. One is very under designed. Right. And if you want the nice components for Dune, which I happen to hate, I think they look like garbage, but you can get like a bunch of miniatures to replace the components that come in the game, oh. which is another $80. Oh my God. So Arnak comes like deluxified already, right? It already feels like a lush deluxe presentation. Mm-hmm. Arnak has this like great, rich, retro adventure magazine kind of illustration style. Mm-hmm. And Dune has this like, looks like rotoscoped stills from the Villeneuve movie. <laughs> it looks awful. It looks like every AI image bot was trained on the art from Dune Imperium. And if you want Arnak and both of its expansions and all of its beautiful deluxe components right now on Game Nerds, it's $86 for everything Arnak. If you want Dune and the nice components, and both of its expansions right now on Game Nerds, it's $205. What? 
And there's less stuff in the Dune box. I have them both. Ooh. They're both full. My my Arnak box is busting at the seams. My Dune box is still mostly air. Oh, my God. It's because you're paying for the IP, Ugh. right? You're paying for their licensing fees. And I don't care about Dune. I don't, I don't. Aren't you glad you have Timothy Chalamet's face in your box? <laughs> That's just it. I <laughs> and I wish they'd made this game before the movie so that it could be someone else's interpretation of these things, right? Totally. Like, I am a big Lord of the Rings fan, and I actually... Actually, I think it's a real bummer that the Peter Jackson movies, which, you know, have, have a lot to recommend them, have just sort of now dominated what everyone thinks those worlds look like. Whereas when I was a kid, every year, like new Tolkien illustration calendars would come out with some new artist's interpretation of all the characters and they all look totally different. And now there's sort of like a definitive way for all of these things to look, right? Right. If it's going to be Dune based, I would prefer sort of a new interpretation of that world. Mm -hmm. I didn't get any of that. So I just, you know, I just like, oh, I don't care about this. I didn't want to have to buy both. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to like it. And whenever I heard people saying which was their preference on, you know, some like YouTube show, which people talked about a lot, which of them they liked better. I was always happy when I heard they liked Arnak better. Mm. And I hadn't played either one of them. And I was like, yeah, they like the good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's <laughs> so, so funny. So stupid. Yeah. But I wanted it to be better. Um, Arnak is a great game. Dune is a great game. They're both awesome. And they're not that much alike. Mm. It's really weird. I think it was just like a peculiarity of them coming out at the same time. Hmm. Yes, they both have worker placement. Yes, they both have deck building. Lots of games have both of those things. Yeah, yeah totally. I didn't know that that was a thing. Like that there was this world in which it's like you either get Arnak or you get Dune Imperium. Oh my God, it was talked about nonstop. I didn't know that. I missed it. And hilariously, they keep releasing their expansions at the same time. Oh so they're God. always like back. <laughs> battling each other in the in the charts <laughs> they probably just decided to commit they're like let's just commit right to that. right but deck building is the core of dune imperium it is not the core of arnak the core of arnak is resource conversion mm -hmm. and also sort of more importantly arnak is a race against time and dune is a race against your opponents mm. arnak is going to last five rounds no matter what anyone does and you just get as far as you can in the five rounds that you have. Dune, everyone is racing to 10 points, which sort of represent your influence throughout the galaxy or whatever. I don't know. I don't know about Dune. Mm -hmm. And you're racing to get to that point. And so how long you have to get there just depends on how well everyone else is doing, right? And it's uh -huh. incredibly okay. tense. And it has the same thing that Clank does of this dramatic arc ratcheting up of tension. Totally great game. I would love it just as much if it weren't Dune themed and it were based on other stuff. I will say that it's made me like a little curious because I'm going up my influence tracks with these different factions and I'm like, what are these factions? What do they do? Mm -hmm. Someone who loves Dune more than I do will have to tell me if that really does add to the game in a way that I'm not seeing. From my perspective, I can't imagine loving the game any more than I do. And I would be perfectly happy to pay half as much for it and have it be its own world. Yeah, especially because, I mean, so I haven't played Dune yet, but we actually own a copy. Interestingly, I feel like we the reason we haven't played it is because we are in exactly the position that you're in. So I bought Dune for my husband and I thought he was going to be really excited about it. And then it came... And we opened the box and he was like, this looks so boring, like so bland, you know, just so you know, he was very kind about it and grateful, but he was just like, <laughs> objectively, the graphics are terrible. He was just yeah. like, this is just terrible art. Like, it's so blah that I just like don't even care to play. Yeah. And so it just kind of sat there for the longest time. Like I sat and learned the rules so that we could put it on the table anyway. And he just was like, I'm sorry. Is it OK if we don't play that game and just play something else? And I was like, OK, sure. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it just suffers from that thing of like, I want to hate it because it's just so dull looking. I get it. I did. I wanted to hate it for the same reason for the longest time. And then we played it and I was like, God damn, this is spectacular. It's, it's so good. It's really, it's really so good and so fun. So, all right, you got a second one? So the fact that you brought up Arnak is funny because it's a little bit of a crossover, only not exactly a crossover, but <laughs> okay. funny enough, Arnak is a game that I have totally had in my I want to hate it category for the longest time. And I can't even tell you, I, let me think, why do I feel that way towards it? I think I feel that way because... 
it's definitely not bland. As you said, it's very lush. It's very mm-hmm. designed. Everything is But you detailed. often don't like lush. You often feel like this is too much. It's too busy. It's too, like, it's trying yeah, too hard. I think so. I think I felt like it was like, oh, it's just so, it's just too much. It's too extra. There's just too mm-hmm. much going on mm-hmm. um, in terms of the design. And it's like trying to, it's trying too hard to convince me that I need to, like, jump into this world. In a weird way, it was sort of like this thing of, like, you're trying too hard, Arnak. Mm. <laughs> like, stop. Right. You tend <laughs> to be more sort of enticed by a game that is sort of like confidently minimal, mm-hmm. right? That's like got style, but that isn't isn't like it's so funny you say that. We covered yeah. every possible surface with illustrations and right, like Meadow wigs you out for that reason. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like there's too much going on. It's like why tone it down, Everdell. Oh yeah, exactly. Do you need that tree? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like go go away, tree. Get out of here, tree. Like exactly. Does the hype turn you off? Like when you hear that everyone loves a game, are you like, are you already a little bit like, I'm probably not going to like that game? I think sometimes Mm -hmm. because I think it sort of depends on the style of the game. I think with Arnak, it kind of falls into two categories that probably automatically turned me off. One is that everybody already loves it and it just feels like, well, there's nothing left for me to discover because everyone already loves it. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it's the art style and the presentation of it. I don't know. It falls into this world that I find slightly off-putting. I think that there's sometimes where like games have so much design to them that I just kind of am turned off. Like I just, it has like too much going on. It's like, you know, when we were talking about Everdell and the tree and then I was just like, why, We what's with the tree? We don't need the tree. But like, obviously people who love Everdell love the tree. No, I hear you. I haven't played Ark Nova, Mm -hmm. the big hit of two years ago. And I haven't played Earth, the big hit of last year or Mm -hmm. this year. I don't know. Time is inscrutable to me. And neither one of them particularly interests me. Mm -hmm. And they seem to both have a lot in common with games that I like, like Wingspan and Terraforming Mars. So I probably would enjoy them. And if people ask me why they don't interest me, I'm like, I don't know. They they seem a little like long and grandiose. The main thing I will normally say is like, they look bad, mm-hmm. right? I, everyone thinks they look good, but they don't look good. They look bad. They both look awful. Yeah, I kind to, of agree. To me. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I know a lot of work went into that. Yeah, I know. Yes, I'm just I know. not, I'm not a fan of the, the look. It's I don't a like to too... say it either. Mm. Art Nova is like the animal version of Dune Imperium. It's like someone yeah. used the posterized filter in Photoshop on a bunch of photos of animals. And then the like glistening postcard photography of Earth, it just like doesn't doesn't do it for me yeah yeah no i'm with you but if i'm honest like i think part of the real reason for both of them is that they were both so hyped before i got a chance to play them that i just am like a little bit like oh it can't be Mm -hmm. as good as everyone's saying it is it's annoying listening to people Mm -hmm. talk about how much they like it all the time i don't have it you know like Mm -hmm. and this little part of me just wants to be like probably it's not that good Mm -hmm. and i'm sure they're both great i'm sure they're both awesome Mm -hmm. so i hear you what's your number two my number two is unmatched oh yeah and it's because I don't want to get caught up in like an ever expanding system, right? Mm-hmm. Like I spend enough money on games. Games mm-hmm. are their own ever expanding system for me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to have to have one game that I keep feeling like I need to get more and more and more of. And any sensible person with willpower and self-control will say like, well, just don't get that much of it. Just get enough that you have enough to play and you enjoy. And <laughs> sorry, that's not the brain I have. That's not what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Do you know yeah. me? Have you met yeah. me? <laughs> I have met me. I have I have lived with myself long enough to know <laughs> if I get into a game that's got 26 boxes, I'm going to want all 26 boxes. <laughs> I was a little intrigued because uh, at first they were only doing public domain stuff. Right. And I like that. Right. I'm not that into like IPs, but I like stuff that everyone can interpret their own way. <laughs> and I thought it was funny. It was like oh you can be red riding hood and fight with like houdini mm-hmm. or or with beowulf like that's cool that's funny right, right it's basically right. like the who would win game that yeah we yeah yeah, yeah. We kids right totally but then it like it started getting all these ips it was like it was buffy it was yes. jurassic park it was every yeah. freaking marvel character and i was like i don't want to be interested in this mm-hmm. and then i was a game night with some friends and and my buddy keith who you met brought it over and he he had one of the public domain boxes mm-hmm. we played it we i actually did like a three-way kind of like royal rumble which i think there were not official rules for yet but we just sort of made it up and did it oh my god it's really good it's really fun mm. i don't even usually like these kind of like head-to-head skirmish games but the gameplay is like so simple and clear but interesting the card system is really clever and really fun and you know move around a map and the tactical combat we had a blast and i was like 
damn it, you know, <laughs> damn, this is really good. It's really fun. And then I'm like, well, I had so much fun playing Red Riding Hood or whoever I was. I want to know what it's like to play Robin Hood. I want to know what it's like to play a Velociraptor. Like, right. This is awesome. So anyway, I have gotten some unmatched, but I limit myself to public domain only. That's smart. I mean, it's something. <laughs> it works. I'm curious about the other ones. I think it'd probably be fun to play Iron Man or whatever, but I just, if someone wants to bring those over, like happy to play with them but I mm -hmm. well that's funny because that was the deal of the day like a couple of days ago on game nerds oh, okay I almost messaged you and was like have you ever played this should I get this is this fun and then I was like no no I'm not I have already too many things on my list I'm not gonna add another one right I'm glad I didn't it sounds to me like the kind of thing where I would have totally fallen down the same rabbit hole of just like well now I gotta try it with this and now I gotta try it with that right it's not buying a game it's like investing in a system totally I'm so scared <laughs> of living card games for this reason yeah. because yeah. my husband grew up playing Magic he doesn't play it anymore, but he was a little bit tempted to get back into it recently when they, you know, there was like the new, I don't know, flight of cards that have come out recently. Mm -hmm. And he had a friend too who was sort of like, hey, you want to get together and do like some decks? And um, he was like, oh, should I do this? He's like, you know, we could do it together. We could, because it was like a pool of people who were going to, who were going to do it. Mm -hmm. We thought about it for like a, a second. And then he was like, no, I can't get you into this world. <laughs> He's like, the problem is that once you open the door, you just like yeah. can't stop you know yeah and he's like i feel like i already have too many things i'm like that about and well, he has the good fortune of living with the cautionary tale that is you <laughs> 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 like, like like looks around his house and all the games and be like no i'm not gonna do this yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't, i can't this monster can't have two heads <laughs> <laughs> They announced their series of Lord of the Rings cars, and I was like, you bastards. <laughs> I also played as, a, you know, preteen, and I, I see people playing, and I'm like, oh, I remember really having fun with this. This looks like fun, but, like, I just can't. And I've, I've managed to stay away from it. But when they – there was, like, a week or two where everyone was showing off their, like, <laughs> gold foil Aragorns or whatever on, on Instagram, and I was like, <laughs> stop, you're killing me. <laughs> Oh, wow. See, we're good. We're good. Yeah. We <laughs> we're, we're doing amazing. We're doing so well. Look at all the restraint that we've practiced. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. You got a third one? My number three, this has happened to me before with, with a different game. I think I may have confused it or conflated two games, actually, that are admittedly from the same publisher. So maybe it's not that weird that I can that I conflated them, but... I thought for a long time that Tapestry and Pendulum, I thought they were kind of the same game. Oh, interesting. I mean, I don't know that I thought that hard about it. But I did think I just associated them with each other. And I was just kind of like, Pendulum is not very good. Therefore, a Tapestry is not very good. Therefore, I will stay away from both Pendulum and Tapestry. So the publisher kind of lost your confidence. Well, that might be true because actually, weirdly enough, Wingspan... So I just sort of avoided them and blah, 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 kind of same same thing with as I did with Wingspan. And um, again, I think it was Lars, actually, who was talking about tapestry, about losing a lot in tapestry. Yeah. Kind of like opened that door to the conversation and was suddenly like, oh, tapestry is like good. I thought tapestry was like a very blah game. It kind of looks, the cover is a little bit blah. Everything mm. is a little bit blah mm. to me. Interesting. Although the inside, I don't think that the board is blah. To me, it was just kind of the cover. It is the same artist as Everdell. Ooh. It's Andrew Bob. Bosley, and you don't sorry Andrew Bosley no it's okay it's, he's not your thing you know I oh, I don't like to be mean about people's art I know I feel the same way but I think that like not everything is for everybody and I think yeah. that that like his style which I find very um you know like kind of sun dappled and inviting and, mm -hmm. and rich I think like feels busy to you like feels like there's just a lot going on right yeah it feels a little too like soft I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's something about mm -hmm. it. I just like, I'm not really drawn to it. You like bold shapes, bold colors. I get it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess so. You do. Yeah, I do. I do. I like, I like, I do like that. And then again, a friend that you introduced me to, Dana, she invited me to play Tapestry on BGA, which if it had been anyone else, I probably would have turned it down for a couple mm. reasons. One, probably because I was not high on my interest list, but two, because... 
I also generally find learning complex games on BGA to be really challenging. I tried mm. to learn Clans of Caledonia on there once, oh, and I was no. like, "Oh yeah, no, it was terrible." I I feel like I I just like took years off my life. I was, oh, <laughs> I was like, no. oh, "I'm so bad at this." I can barely wrap my head around Clans of Caledonia when the whole thing is in front of me on the table. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, you live and you learn. So after yeah. that, I kind of have avoided games like that because it's like if if I've played it in real life before, it's one thing, but if I'm learning it online it's really challenging i find particularly because i have to play on my phone a lot of the time oh yeah no and then if you can't see everything if no, you can't like get the whole yeah but did you find that tapestry was as complex as it looked because i don't i don't no. think it is no i found that it was easier than i, I expected yeah. i think it was just my it was my perception that it was going to be complex uh-huh. in a way uh-huh. it is actually a very simple game to learn because you know that you can only do like one thing pretty much every time it's Mm -hmm. your turn you have to like pick one thing and you really only have to learn the rules for the thing that's right in front of you exactly right you're like what does this next spot do and then i'll worry about the rest of it later it's like concordia for me where it's like concordia you don't you cannot do very much on a turn you have to it's very limited choices and you have to like figure out how to make a strategy based on these very you know you can only do one or two things so with concordia you can do two with with uh, tapestry you can do one thing on a mm-hmm. turn and sometimes there's like cascading things that you can do as a result of the one thing that you chose but you you can only make one choice initially yeah i, I thought that was really interesting and i'm still i mean we're still in the middle of our game but i can already tell that i'm like oh this might be a game i buy after this is over thanks a lot <laughs> dana <laughs> Um, I think if we revisit this topic in a year, I think Mm -hmm. you are going to be a bigger advocate for tapestry than I am. I think it's more your kind of game than it is my kind of game. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I think that tapestry was interesting. It's interesting that you had sort of, you know, you said you confused it with pendulum, but also like you just sort of like weren't interested in it. And like you, you had the impression that it wasn't that good. It wasn't released to rave reviews. Mm -hmm. I think it has been a slow burn, both for me personally and for the, the culture at large or the hobby mm-hmm. at large. I think that was for a couple of reasons. One, this was a follow-up to Scythe and mm. um, it's totally it different. huge. Yeah. Eclipse. Much lighter than Scythe, much um, different mood, different theme, you know. And I think people sort of were like, oh, this is this is what we can expect from this designer. And it was nothing like that. And then I think that the even sort of bigger thing was that it says on the box, it says tapestry. And right under that, it says a civilization game. Mm-hmm. And it is simply not a civilization game. Right. It is a Euro resource conversion puzzle, a very smooth one with civ flavoring. But mm-hmm. like... You can invent space travel before you invent the radio. It's a, it is in no right, way a Civ right. game, right? <laughs> right, right, it's, right. It's a I think a great puzzle. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, this this is my jam. Like all the things that I think probably turned you off about it. I was like, these weird little buildings. Like what are these about? And the weird little buildings are polyominoes. They didn't need to make buildings at all. They don't do anything different from one another. They're just they just mm-hmm. fill up space on your capital map. You know, the mm-hmm. the tech you get these tech cards. But it doesn't really feel like advancing a technology. You advance a technology and you like get a little treat and it's just all it's all like euro resource whatever right right and so at first i was sort of like this is kind of a letdown and i think that maybe that's how people felt and then i think as i sort of started judging it on its own terms i was like this is a great game like it looks like there's a ton going on but there there really isn't when you Mm -hmm. when you sit down to play it you can teach it pretty easily if you haven't played it in a while you can get back into it pretty easily if it's later in the day and you're a little tired you can play it right it's it's like a crunchy tight fun game that is like silky smooth and easy mm-hmm. to play and easy to learn it's really this is a neat puzzle so yeah it's really great to me but i think that that like what i just described a cool crunchy abstract game is what you like right more I than do. what i like yeah i'm curious to see i have a feeling that it's going to be up your alley as you as you play it more i definitely think so because i actually found myself as i was waiting for my next turn in the last couple of days to be like Okay, I wonder what she's going to do. And then what am I going to do? Like, how am mm-hmm. I going to make turn mm-hmm. this into anything? Because I've only got mm-hmm. two resources left, and i got to mm-hmm. figure out how to turn these two teeny little things into something. When um, you figure out how to turn one more turn before your income phase into two more turns, you're like, I am a genius, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so tight. It is. And and what you, what you haven't gotten to yet, but you, you're about to experience, is that even though it stays tight throughout the whole game, you're about to experience like a cascade of points as it mm. gets bigger. The The one way in which it does feel like a Civ game is that 
um, what is available to you sort of grows exponentially. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we didn't all lead you astray. I'm glad you're enjoying it. It makes me think of a, a just I'm going to plug our friends Chits and Cardboard yeah. um, who recently had a post about like um, talking about how you perceive reviews. Like, do you get into reading reviews? Do you like whose reviews do you listen to? And, you know, mm. that kind of thing. And it's it's funny because it's making me think about you guys, my friends, like you and Lars and Nicola and Dana. And like, I mean, there's just so many dementia. Chris, everybody, all these people on Instagram who I feel like in a weird way, you guys know so much of my tastes now mm-hmm. and vice versa mm-hmm. to the point where yeah. you were like, you know, I think you're going to like tapestry more than you think. And you were right. And and, and uh, Lars was right. You know what I mean? It's it's funny like that. Well, and I think you and Lars have sort of similar tastes. I think so. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. Because of him, I just bought Honey Buzz. I just found out from a Chits and Cardboard video yesterday that Honey Buzz is the reason that Apiary, the new Stonemeyer game, is yeah. not just normal bee themed. Oh. Apparently it was just based on bees when the designer brought it to Stonemeyer. And oh. Jamie was like, hey, my buddy who lives here in St. Louis made this other ga- bee game. Oh. I don't want to, like, make another game that's about the same thing he did. How do you feel about Space Bees? And the designer was like, love Space Bees. Let's do that. (laughs) I love Space Bees. I'm super excited about Apiary. I'm very excited about Apiary. And and to come full circle, it's sort of like I had this perception of Stonemaier games. Not intentionally. It wasn't like I was like, oh, I don't like Stonemaier games. But Mm -hmm. several of the games were falling under this category. And I think it just happened to be that it was from them. And ultimately, what I'm realizing is I actually love a lot of their games. So I was super wrong, yeah. way wrong, way off. So I'm ready for yeah. APR. I'm hyped for Apiary. Yeah. Okay, so you're hyped for Apiary. What's your last one? All right. So this is the one I most wanted to dislike. And, I, and it's because I have a history. Oh, yeah. Ooh, provocative. Yeah. So back before the pandemic, when I was sort of newish to crowdfunding and really getting mm. into games... Everyone was super hype about this Kickstarter campaign for a Simon game mm. called Trudvang Legends. Huh. Never heard of it. No, you have not. And we're going to get to why. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So it was from designer Eric Lang, who designed Blood Rage mm, yep. and Rising Sun. And people yep. love him. And from Simon, the company that makes all those games. Lots of awesome looking Nordic fantasy miniatures, whatever. I was actually not that interested in this. I was like, oh, grim, dark, Nordic fantasy, whatever. Fine. Like, not really my thing. And also so many things have that theme. Right. Yeah. I was just like, sure, whatever. I think I maybe also hadn't played Blood Rage yet, which maybe would have made me feel differently about it. But, you know, it was, it was like, oh, cool. Like, everyone's super hyped about this. It's doing a zillion dollars of funding. It's not my thing, whatever. And then it just, like, kept doing better and better over the course of the campaign. And everyone was talking about it. And I was like, am I missing something? Am I going to hmm. miss out on, do I need this? Okay. And then Simon. What I was talking about, about Unmatched making you buy into a system, Simon is, like, the worst offender of that. Oh, and uh-huh. they have a business model that is, like, entirely designed to exploit all of the vulnerabilities in my brain. And I I hate Mm. it. It drives me up the wall. So not only do they say like, oh, you're not buying a game, you're buying a core box, right? For an infinite number of infinite expansions. But then they will say like, oh, if you back now, you get all of these stretch goals and the stretch goals are in a box that's as big as the game box and they're Kickstarter exclusive. So what they're actually doing is you only get half the game if you buy it retail and the other half of the game you got if you backed it and it never becomes available retail and so for this game there was the game itself the stretch goals box that was as big as the game itself and then four expansion boxes. And it's a narrative adventure game, right? So they each had another like big chunk of scenarios in them. So like you want the whole stories in all these different boxes. I was like, I feel like I'm going to miss out on something. This is the most restraint I've ever practiced in my life. I didn't <laughs> buy all the expansion boxes, but I did get the core box, which was a hundred something dollars all by itself. Mm-hmm. The campaign ended. It was huge. It made a zillion dollars. And then shortly thereafter, they were like, we are going to have to delay the delivery of this game by a year because Mm. it isn't good. Mm. We've been playing it and it's not fun and we need to redesign it. (gasps) Whoa. So we're going to redo it. So that, the fact that they were like, they knew they were going to piss everybody off and they were like, we need to make this game better. Total respect. 
don't respect the fact that they had already sold people four expansions for a game that didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. They didn't even have a game that they were selling expansions for. That's crazy. And then Eric Lang left the company <gasps> and didn't end up working on the game. Oh. Yeah. This came years later when the core box finally delivered. The stretch goals box still hasn't delivered. <gasps> and this is you know, four years later, and none of the expansion boxes have delivered to the people who got those <gasps> either. Whoa. And I got the game, and uh, I had that experience sort of similar to what you had with um, Endless Palace. Was that the one? Oh, yeah, about? yeah, yeah. Eternal Palace. Yeah, you were kind of like so turned off at this. I mean, I would be too. This is such a saga. But I was like, you know what? They're taking the extra time. They're going to make it great. Okay, let's see what they do with that extra time. Like people were were screaming at their Kickstarter comments. Of course. I wasn't doing that not just because it's not the sort of thing I do, but because I was like, let's give them a chance. I I respect this move. Johannes and Seneva got their copy before I got mine Mm -hmm. and they rated it like a two. They were like angry. Yeah, they were so mad about it. And I was like, Oh, no. (laughs) And so when mine came, I was like, do I even want to open this or do I want to just like sell it sealed, right? Like Mm -hmm. ultimately, like I was playing a lot of D&D at the time and the miniatures were pretty cool. And I was like, I'm going to open it. I want to see, like, I might not agree with them. You know, the miniatures are very cool. The game is awful. Oh, no. And I really like, it pains me to say that, like for the same reason you were talking about, like, you don't want to like rag on people's art. Like, I don't want to rag on people's games. Right. But like. I can't figure out what they did with their extra year. Oh, my God. The, the combat, like, barely works. The story is, like, really oh. not well written. The whole thing was, like, such a bummer. And Kate and I were, like, playing through the scenarios and, like, trying to get into it. We just couldn't. Oh. Yeah, it was such a drag. So, wait. So, this is a, this is a curveball. This is a wanted to hate and you hate it. No, no, no. This is not the game. I know this is a long preamble. <gasps> the game I wanted to hate was Massive Darkness 2. Oh. Also from Simon, oh. because at this point I'm like I hate Simon, oh. and they did the, they did the same thing. Now this was a sequel to another game, but they were like, oh, you get this box, you get six characters. You get if you back now, you get the stretch goals box that has six oh, more characters. No. Oh, there's 18 more characters that come in all of the expansion boxes. <sighs> 12 scenarios come in the core box, but there's four scenarios in each of the expansion boxes. And you don't have to play it as a campaign, but if you'd like to play it as a campaign, there's a campaign box. In the words of Job, come on. Come on. Come on. Exactly. (laughs) Again, they're selling all of these expansions for a game that doesn't exist. I don't know as the consumer whether it's one of those situations where, as is the case with a lot of the Eric Lang games, where you really only need the core box and the extra stuff is just extra, or Mm -hmm. whether it's a situation which is true of a lot of other Simon games where they've split the game up into a bunch of boxes and you don't really get the full experience if you don't buy Mm -hmm. them all. And I was like, screw these guys. You know, like I fell for this once. I am not falling for this again Mm -hmm. for like no interest whatsoever. And then it delivered and Tom Vassell was like, this is the greatest dungeon crawler I have ever played. Mm, what? And I was like, no, stop. No, you can't be serious. Like better than Gloomhaven. Stop playing with my heart. Yes. He likes it better than Gloomhaven. Wow. He was like, it's fast. It's easy to get into. You level up really quickly. It's dice chucking. It's monsters. It's fun. It's great. And I was like, damn it. This sounds like exactly what I want. Because like, I love Gloomhaven, but we are not going to pull out Gloomhaven on a weeknight. And in fact, we don't even usually right. pull out Gloomhaven no. on a weekend because we haven't played it in so long that we yeah. sort of forgot what was going on right right totally. and it's a whole big ordeal to get into and like we'd moved to california away from our D group and we were like oh we want it we want a dungeon crawl you know we want to have like fantasy adventures and we don't have dnd anymore like this sounds awesome <sighs> so i broke down and i got i got the core box it was on sale at game nerds i was like all right all right let's see mm. and here's the thing <laughs> yes it's okay oh There are things about it that are great. Every player has their own little mini game puzzle that's like fun and cool. Uh Very cool. The miniatures are really cool. The monsters, you like read what they're, they all have like one special ability and you read what they are and they're awesome. It's like there's a harpy and if the harpy attacks you, you like disappear from the board and you come back around later, right? Because they've like lifted you up into the sky, right? There's all these like fun mechanical ways of representing what the different monsters do. Tons of dice, big dumb fun, absolutely all there. It is way, way, way too easy. 
like way Aww. too easy. In fact, we kept killing all those monsters before they got to do their cool, unique thing, which meant they weren't a monster. They were just a bag of hit points, right? It was just, we're just doing math, like rolling dice to subtract numbers from other numbers. And then I realized a lot of the stuff that Tom liked about it was a plus for him because he is a game reviewer who has to play like hundreds of games, you know, like a month or a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. He was like, this is great. You can plug and play. You don't have to do a campaign. I'm like, I want a campaign. I want the story to progress. Mm-hmm. I want it to be hard. So I get a lot out of this box right like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so then i started like i started doing the thing i was like well maybe i want to get the campaign box well maybe i want to try other character. i'm reading online about like oh these are six things you can do to make the game hard enough to be fun oh god i'm not the only person who thought it was too easy right <sighs> and so i still haven't made up my mind about it we went from really wanting to hate it to really wanting to like it because there was like enough stuff about it that was cool mm-hmm. and this is why i wish companies didn't make expansions for games that don't exist yet oh yeah what they needed was the pressure testing of tens of thousands of people playing the game and then yeah. you make the expansion to address the issues that people have okay we're gonna we're gonna up the difficulty a little bit because people think it's too easy or like we're gonna r- reduce the randomness because people think it's whatever it's like a really cool system with a lot of potential that I think isn't quite there mm-hmm. and it would be if they were as interested and as dedicated to making good games as they are into manipulating their backers yep. right and that's like what it comes down to mm. it's almost there but it's it's not quite and that's sort of more maddening for me I wish I had either loved it or hated it mm-hmm. either of those would have been better mm-hmm. anyway yeah no that's interesting because it's definitely not where I thought you were going to go it's like you wanted to hate it but you didn't hate it, nor did you love it. And because Uh it was in between, it stuck you in this purgatory where you don't know what to do. But you know what? I'm cutting you off. You you can't go further with this game. Well, I needed you to cut me off sooner. I mean, I'm cutting you off the way that you sometimes tell me, no, you, you're you not going to go down that road. I'm telling you right now, this is not for you. And it's good because most of the time, I feel like you're mostly right. Well, let's hope I'm better at listening to you than you are at listening to me. <laughs> Damn, busted. <laughs> I cut you off on a weekly basis and it has never once worked. I, I don't what know you, what you're talking wait, about. What do you mean? Well, okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go down that road. We can fight about this offline, um, or off off pod. Oh, we can fight about it on pod too. I think this is charming. <laughs> no, we can't because we gotta round up the rabble uh-huh. and hear what mm-hmm. they have to say about this topic. Okay. Okay. All right. So, and the rabble, of course, are our friends on Instagram. Yes, to whom we posed the same question: What's a game you would love to hate, or wanted to hate, or thought you would hate? In fairness to our friends, we phrased this the gentle elbow way. Which was oh, like, yeah. what's a game that surprised you? <laughs> that yeah, you, you that's know, you true. didn't expect to like. Um, that's because true. we didn't assume they were all going to be as psychotic as I am and have really <laughs> strong feelings about games they haven't played. <laughs> yeah, or as or as big of a hater as I am. So right. yeah. All right. So you're going to speak for the rabble. Yes, I'm going to speak for the rabble. So okay. There's a couple crossovers here with things that we have already mentioned. So I'm going to start with those. So we talked about Arnak. Also, Ale from Cards and Tiles said, "I knew I'd like it, but I didn't know I'd love it." Yeah. Tapestry has a couple. So Better Half Reviews and Photoliev. Oh, Photoliev felt like me. Tapestry looked so boring, but did actually enjoy it. Hmm, face. This is so funny. I can't believe that you guys think Tapestry looked boring. It looks boring. I think it looks so much more exciting than it actually is. Oh my God, I feel opposite. I was like, wow, I'm like glazed over looking at it. But yeah. Okay, so vg.fly for fun yeah valerie yeah valerie said bloody in didn't think she would like but she did mm-hmm. ale also came in with boop mm-hmm. i love boop but i get it because i actually feel like when you look at boop you're like oh it's so twee and also the box is so empty there's only these little wooden pieces in there basically and it's like a lot of box for a very tiny amount of like physical game this one is on my current want to hate list i don't really even know anything about it except that it's called boop and i'm like oh yeah no the name is annoying are we all being so adorable like come on yes it's very twee yeah. but i think the puzzle is good okay anyway right. mass board gamer says canvas k plays game says challengers so fun see oh man i just keep flip-flopping with this one because I, I keep getting people keep telling me i'm gonna love it and then they're like no you're gonna hate it and I, I just don't know where i'm gonna i feel like i'm don't know i'm turned know. around now last week the rabble made you feel good about your choice not to buy it and this I week know. the rabble I'm, has changed their mind that's right their collective mind i don't know i guess i'm gonna just have to play it and find out i'm just like what is it gonna be master jeeves says 
Concordia. Also love Concordia, but I can totally see why. It probably looks pretty boring. All right. I haven't played Concordia. I really want to try that one. It does look a little boring, but I, everyone li- everyone I respect oh, likes we it. Should, we should play it. I, I love that game. The game is afoot, says Endless Winter. I got to mm-hmm. say, I was with you until I finally caved and bought it because the same thing with Arnak. It's like, I just was like, there's just too busy and the art is too much. It's just too much um heat pedal to the metal i don't like racing themes but this game is so good this is uh this is sam the kuma this is ah, sam. sam yes and we know same sam. sam exactly the same i was like everyone's so excited about this new racing game like who cares like i care about formula one or whatever it's great it is so good it's so fun i'm really happy to try that one mm-hmm. dustin o'keefe lynch says hughes and cues mainly because it should be called hughes and clues okay Cool. I'm sort of both drawn to and repelled by that game because it looks like work to me. Like I'm a graphic yes. designer. Like that just looks like my job. Yeah. No, I could see why you would feel that way. Yeah. yeah. I kind of feel a little, not for the same reasons because I'm not a graphic designer, but I definitely kind of feel weirdly pushed and pulled by it as well. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Samir from Boarding Time says, Llama Land. I had no hope, but this game is really good and fun. The Brewing Gamer says, Magic the Gathering Commander. Expect mm. to see more of that on my page. Okay, yeah. guys, you heard it here first. Go look at oh, You're going to kill me. You're, you're, ah. you're going to send me to an early grave, Brewing Gamer. I hope you're happy. <laughs> Magic and Meeple says, Meeple Party. Not sure I loved it, but I had reservations and then thought it was pretty fun. Boarding Time also says, Res Arcana. Honestly expected to hate that game and instead loved it. Ooh, this I ordered because of him and various other people. Also, was Nicola, Nicola is a big Yeah, Nicola. Is, he's a big proponent. Totally. Yeah. These guys sent me over to Res Arcana because I was also prepared to hate it. It just did not seem like a me game, but mm-hmm. now I'm I'm might be on their side. We'll see. Right. John from the Meeple Versus says Root. Does Root appeal to you? Yes, it does. It, Root appeals to me so much that I can't imagine not being interested in it. Yeah. I can imagine playing it and not liking it because it's like a big ornate machine and I can imagine being like this is too much but that's really interesting to me that he was thought he wasn't gonna like it to, mm-hmm. to me like root calls to me from across the room it's so it's so my style me too but I can definitely see because it has the reputation of being so fiddly and also kind of mean that I can definitely see why someone would be like you know I'm I'm not gonna like this game and then be surprised that maybe they do now I'm surprised that it calls to you because it is both cutesy art and very like covered in art <laughs> it's busy it is, but I don't know how to explain it to you. It's it's like not like whimsical uh-huh. in that way. It's like it is definitely it is. I mean, I do, it's not that I don't like nature games either because I do like nature themes. I do like animals, but there is something about the art style in Root that is a little more. Um, it's got a little more of an edge. It's got that scratchy, inky, comic booky feel. I like yes, it. Yes, and I like yeah. that style much more yeah. personally. Same. And sea salt and paper from good games. Uh, I can, I mean, I think that it's fun, but I can see why. I think it's so hyped up right now that I could definitely see where someone is like, I don't want to like that, but then they do. Right. Board game 2099 says Shadows of Brimstone, never played it. Journeys in bo- Modern Board Gaming says sta- Space Invaders. Thought Space Invaders would be a dud, but it's a family favorite. Cool. Right. Ooh, Board Games Nicola, our friend says Stardew Valley. Oh, uh, I have, I've avoided Stardew Valley because I really liked the video game and I just cannot imagine wanting to play it as a board game. But I've never played, sorry, I've never played the video game mm-hmm. and I, I didn't have any interest in the board game. And, and then Nicola specifically was like, oh, you would love this game. This is right oh, up your alley. He was like, he, he, even, he even has insisted that um, it has my politics. Like he's Oh, like, interesting. And he really got me interested in it. Whatever that and means. when he did, so you could no longer get it. Like it just, it's, uh, I, I mm, think it might be coming back, but. I'm sure it will. It's come back so once far, it's It was like a, a year ago that now that he was, like, he persuaded me I'm, to want this game. And it, I just think it'll can't. come back. All right. His his enthusiasm for the things he love is loves is so infectious. So infectious. Um, good game says Stella Dixit Universe. It was way more fun than I envisioned. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of I've, I've never been drawn to it, but a lot of people just love it. Mm. Good game says Welcome to. I could see why it's a little boring looking. VG mm-hmm. Fly for Fun Valerie says Zwagendorf. Is that the game you were talking about? Wait, no, Sverg Svergendorf. I'm oh, reading yeah. it wrong. Sure. Anyways. I'm not the person to ask. Uh, me either. Um, we'll have to ask Valerie. Yeah. And then last but not least, Jason from Stop Maggot says Raiders of the North Sea. Okay. Look, I typically don't like period piece worker placement. Sue me. 
<laughs> Great ending note. Jason <laughs> is actually one of my oldest friends. Oh, amazing. And here's the thing about Raiders of the North Sea. I taught it to him at Gen oh. Con. So I don't. I don't know whether to be insulted or complimented by this because I was like, hey, here's this fun game. We should all play it. I got it at the library and I learned from him answering this question that he was like, oh, God, Kenan's going to teach me one of his boring Euro games. <laughs> and I was like, you, you have some faith. But then, you know, the fact that he did like it and, and had a great time playing it, I was like, all right, I I can't stay mad at you. So never, never put Kalis in front of Jason or basically any other Euro game because they're basically all period pieces. That's, that's a lot of games to block Yeah, out. but you know what? Good for his pocket. That's true. It's good. It's good to just make arbitrary lines for Definitely. yourself. I think this is one of the reasons I think that we do this, that we make these snap judgments. Yeah, maybe, right? I think so. Is that we just don't have the time or the money to be into everything we could imagine ourselves getting into. And so there's this desire to, to like hope you're not going to like something or that people aren't going to like something so that you you can sort of clear it from your from your psychic oh, weight absolutely. and be like, oh, this isn't the thing I need to know about and learn about in order to be involved in the hobby. Oh, right? absolutely. I mean, I can def- definitively say that there is a lot of the ones in particular uh, this week of I wanted to hate and, and either, you know, came around to or maybe even loved like wingspan it's like part of the reason i wanted to hate them is that i was like i have too many things i already want to love Mm -hmm. i need Mm -hmm. to something has to go to the other list Mm because otherwise i will collapse under this you know desire to want to play everything all the time and i can't fulfill it i mean i already can't fulfill it we all have we've already talked about what's on our shelves like it can't be done right we can't be in love with every game yes i mean i was just don't have that much love i was just in um barnes and noble yesterday i since covid like 99% of the time I work from my home studio, so I almost never go to Manhattan anymore, almost never commute anymore. But yesterday I was doing a job in the city at a studio and we finished early and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I have time to just traipse around the city like I never do because I have a child and I also work from home most of the time. So I go into Barnes & Noble in Union Square, which is, you know, many stories high. And I'm like going up the stairs and I'm like, an entire floor of games. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's insane. Oh, they didn't have that back in the day. Oh, no. Now the second floor is almost all games, which is huge. It's huge. I spent probably an hour just walking around looking at games I've already heard about and know about because I look online all day long but like now I'm looking and picking them up and holding them in person and I'm just like oh this and that and and all of a sudden all these games that I was like I'm not interested I'm not interested when I'm standing there and I'm holding the box I'm like oh but maybe I am Uh interested Uh maybe Uh I do want Imperium Legends am Uh I an Imperium Legends girl (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like you're trying it on, it, right? In yes, the dressing room, exactly, you're like, totally. you're like I, does this look good on me? Do yes. I am I into am I into fighting mermaids? I might be. This might be one hundred percent. I'm definitely in there. Like, like, is this me? Am I this person? Wait, is this so me? Is this the look I've been waiting for my entire life? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So then, so then you want to sort of have already made up your mind before you get to Barnes and Noble. Yep. These games are not for me. Mm-hmm. I know I don't really know enough about them. I know I haven't really tried them. Maybe I would like them if I did, but I'm not going to because they're not for me. Right. And it makes the world much more manageable, mm-hmm. right, if you can if you can do that. Yeah, totally. If you can be like, I dislike fantasy art, so I'm just not going to look at any game that has fantasy right. art. It's like, cool. I just X'd out, X'd out a whole category. But then I was in there like, you know. Right. I don't hate this like weird dragon keeper art. I mean, it's like kind of wacky, but like maybe it's not. Yeah. And I, you know, I like I sort of value being open minded and I don't want to be mm-hmm. one of those people who's like, oh, I'm not into this genre. Right. Because great work exactly. happens in every genre. But the thing is, by the same token that if you say oh, I'm not into fantasy art or I'm not into birds, as certainly some of my friends <laughs> said when Wingspan came out, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to miss out on all these great experiences. You're going to miss out on great experiences either way. There's just not enough time. Yes. Right? Exactly. And you can totally limit yourself. You can say, I don't like birds. I hate the outside. I hate Euro games, whatever, Mm -hmm. and still have a lifetime full of exciting games to play. Yep. That's it. You nailed it. So for me, there's one other thing, Mm -hmm. which is this this question of like IPs, right? And that I am Mm -hmm. sort of like, I have this. Mm -hmm. Instinctive aversion to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I understand 
that great art, great innovation come from anywhere. People do beautiful groundbreaking work all the time under like homogenous corporate banners, whatever. Happens all the time. I unambiguously, unabashedly love Thor Ragnarok, mm. but I think it's hard to argue that Disney and Marvel's chokehold on the movie industry has been good for movies as a whole, mm -hmm. right? Even though good work has been done under that banner. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried about that happening to games. Mm -hmm. I want to just sort of live and let live and like, and I do, and everyone like what you like. Who cares what I think? I can like the games that I like and you can like the games that, that you like. And there's no skin off my back. I personally worry about IPs taking over games the way they have taken over so many other media. Right. And that like then there is a limited amount of money and attention to go around in the gaming world, right? There are yes. more good games Absolutely. that don't really break out than there are is attention for those games. Yeah. And yeah. if like the two things uh, that are closing on, on Kickstarter this week are like someone's original Space Bees Fantasy World or Ryan Lockett's new whatever, you know, but not Ryan Lockett because people already love him, but the next Ryan Lockett. Sure. And that's going up against Disney or Dune or whatever. Yeah. Can the indie cre creators compete? Can the person with a new vision and a new world and a new story to tell, can they compete with the person who's retelling a story that's been told since the 50s but that everyone already loves? Mm -hmm. And I don't think so. I just worry that this like incredible moment that we're in this flourishing of creativity and storytelling and and, um, and game design is gonna like contract if the big brands if the big franchises if the big ips like continue to see us as fertile ground right yeah so that's my concern and and it doesn't matter like what i think I, i'm not gonna stop it or i'm not gonna cause it to happen it's people are gonna like what they like and buy what they buy i just hope that our little corner of the world keeps being this welcoming place for new voices and for new ideas and for new worlds nope you heard it here folks Games are over. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is getting this is getting a little grim. Maybe I should I should try to turn this in a, in a more hopeful direction. And then you were like, no, pulling it back. All right. Are there games you currently want to hate? I guess you mentioned Arnak. Of course. Oh, my God. So many. Yeah, Arnak. But that Arnak is already, like, creeping off the list because, you know, I have all these people in my ear. Endless Winter was on that list, and it's, like, also already creeped out. <laughs> Endless Winter was on that list, and it got off that list by having a great sale. It's like, yeah, uh oh well, maybe for this price I can be interested yeah, in it. Yeah, well, that's also, you know, culprit <laughs> for sure. What's on your list? Let me see if it, it jogs my memory. So one is Marvel United. Oh, Marvel anything would be right. for me. I've actually played Marvel United, and it's good. Mm. I've only played it once, but I still kind of want to hate it because it is unambiguously mm -hmm. a complete clone of Tiny Epic Defenders. Mm. It's almost the exact same game. And, you know, you're allowed to do that. They just sort of like took the mechanisms from different designer, different company, and just like put Marvel characters in it. And this is what mm -hmm. I was talking about. Like, there's like kind of generic fantasy people who are, admittedly are not that compelling narratively mm -hmm. in Tiny Epic Defenders can't compete with Iron Man and Scarlet Witch and whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We were talking about Ark Nova and Earth. Oh, those are definitely on my list for sure. And uh, mm -hmm. I know this might be one of yours. Uh, like we've been talking a lot about Castles of Burgundy. <laughs> yes, I was actually going to mention that one. <laughs> All right, go for it. Yeah, do it. It's not because the game itself I want to hate. It's just the new iteration of it I want to hate. And why do I want to hate it? Because it's so expensive because it's so like designed out of control in a, I mean in a way that people are loving yeah. and loving so I'm yeah. not trying to actually hate on the design so much you, as I'm you just can't like, argue everyone loves it but it's really expensive. it's really expensive and the whole just ostentatiousness of it it's like I want to hate it because it just feels like is that where I need to go no it also went from being this like cheap beige game that you could yes. like take out and everyone was like oh it's so fun no one realizes how fun this game is and you know to like a luxury good it's very much a luxury good not uh, faulting anyone for liking that i see everyone posting on instagram and i want it too right it's just like i wish i didn't want it yes i wish i want to hate it i want to yeah. hate it so that yeah. i can just get it off my mind my big one is not really a game it's a designer oh and we talk about this a lot okay it's Reiner Knizia. Oh, oh, how dare you? I know, I know everyone loves him so much. And part of it is that I've played a couple and I'm just not that into bidding. And I feel like I don't like bidding for the same reason. I don't like Monopoly. It just like makes everybody be mean and like aggressive with each other. But the real reason, I'm being totally honest, is because everyone calls him Dr. Knizia all the time. <laughs> <me> <laughs> 
It's just it's hard not to. It's really like, oh, he's a doctor. I know. It, it rolls off the tongue. I get it. I think it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek because it's like, who goes around calling themselves a doctor? I mean, unless you're like a medical doctor, you know, most people. Right. Though, to be fair, you did earn that degree. You so earned you- the degree. And I think in, in our social cohort, or my social cohort at least, there's like a lot of people who are really into pedigree and like honorifics. Mm. And I'm a slacker and I'm not into that stuff. I'm just mm-hmm. like, if this person's games are great. I don't think it's because they had more schooling or education or upbringing or whatever. It's because, you know, they're good at what they do. They're passionate about it. They work hard at it. Like people talk about how he has a doctorate, like he has all this advanced education in mathematics as though like that is what validates their belief that his games are Mm, good. And it's like his games are good because you have fun playing them. I think it's a a little bit related to the cohort of people who don't want to believe that Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare's plays because he was not of good upbringing and wasn't well educated. And they're Mm -hmm. always like these people insisting that like um, some lord of mm-hmm. Candy Crush was the was the guy who really wrote <laughs> all of Shakespeare's plays. And so that sort of rubs me the wrong way. And, and in particular, I think we are in this moment for board games. When I was involved in comics, comics was having the same moment where they really wanted to be taken seriously. Mm. And everyone was insisting that you call their comics graphic novels. Mm, mm-hmm. And they wanted to be like on the New York Times bestseller list. Similarly to the fact that there's now a floor of games at Barnes & Noble at that same Barnes and Noble in Union Square, at this time there was a floor of comic books oh, that wow. was called graphic novels because this was the moment. Right. People were like, "This is a serious art form. We want to be taken seriously." Mm-hmm. Europeans listening to this, your comics have always been taken seriously. Good for you. We always <laughs> thought that they were like stupid little garbage for children, and all of a sudden, in the like early two thousands, people were like, "Wait, is this art?" We had no idea. Right. And yeah. I, at that time, when I was involved in comics, was like, "Screw that, man! Like, I don't need like institutional approval." I. The thing about comics is that they're fun. We're more fun than novels. You get to read a story made out of pictures. Like, let's lean into what we have. And I think that board games are having a sort of similar moment where they kind of want to be taken more seriously than they are. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone's always like, no, not like Monopoly, whatever. And it's like, I get it. There is great art happening in board games, visual art, design art. There's incredible talent going into it. The fact that we're under the radar and people don't realize this is an art form is good for us. It means that people can play, people can innovate and explore and like try weird things, which you can't do once you have that social and economic pressure that comes along with being considered an art form. Yeah, you can't be punk when everyone accepts exactly, you. Exactly, exactly. And right now we're punk. <laughs> and so I feel like being like, oh, no, this guy's a, a real, he's like a real math guy you have to take him seriously take him seriously because his games are good who cares that he's a doctor you know i guess i just never knew that people were like serious like that because i take so little seriously i've <laughs> always just i've always said it with kind of tongue-in-cheek of like ha, 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 it, doctor. maybe everyone's being <laughs> tongue-in-cheek about it and i'm just like sensitive to this but i'm always like ah shut up who cares i don't care how long <laughs> he went to school for it's like not interesting to me so i really um. set you up here are we going to are we going to do challenges? Yeah, let's do All challenges. Right. So I'm going to challenge you to mm-hmm. play one Reiner Knizia game. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Has to be. And you know what? I've got more than zero Reiner Knizia games sitting around here. So <laughs> I believe I, it. I can do that. I okay. even have one that I got pretty recently and the box is ugly and so mm, I haven't played it yet. And our friend One Bookcase uh-huh. recently was like, do not let the ugliness of the of the box deter you. This is a Ooh, great game. So okay. Are you going to tell I us think, what the game is? Or is that going to be a surprise? I know. That's going to be the uh, the cliffhanger. I'm going okay. to let you know next time. Okay. But I think we're going to try I'm it. basically yeah. going to spend the next two weeks like pouring over <laughs> all the games being like, is it this? Is it the other? Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll take All right. it. I think yours, if you choose to accept it, is to play Dune Imperium. Ooh, okay. I choose to accept it. All right. I think you and Zach are both going to like it. I had the pleasure of playing a couple games with, with you both at Gen Con, and I, I think I'm getting a sense of your tastes, and I, I think you're both going to like it. You're not going to stop thinking it's ugly. No. But I, that can't be I think if you push through that, I'm just, I'm curious to see what you think. And if you hate it, well, you know, that's content for the mill. That's all right. <laughs> I will also add that more recently I told him, I was like, Kenan thinks we should play this game and we should just mm. try it. And he was like, mm. okay, all right, let's do it. So, and surely I earned a little bit of credibility with him for introducing oh, him to, to Spirit Island. Totally. He was all about Spirit <laughs> Island. So yeah, he's, we've been watching, we've been watching some videos kind of like, we've been in like spirit island training trying to get ready to put our little spirit island training shoes on (laughs) some roller skates yeah all right i I love that i think i think that does it we've both got our homework all right and hey if you're listening to this Mm -hmm. play a game you hate Uh, no play a game you think you're not gonna like that someone's telling you you're gonna like. yeah 
I just like it. Give it a shot. Trust that somebody who loves you knows you well and see, see if they really do. Yeah. And let us know. Let us know. Tell us about it. You know where to find us. Yes. I'm Punchboard Cathedral on Instagram. You're Meeples and Beninis. <laughs> That's where we are. Yep. All right. And we will, we will talk at you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, bud. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.